I was this kid who was just like had a chip on his shoulder but was just like this ugly fat kid like <laughs> personality wise like what were your hopes and dreams what, I wanted to run a record dream. label I wanted to be a businessman I wanted to be like a but not the star right I didn't want to be the star I just wanted to help out and be part of it I didn't want to be the star and then I just I'm I, I happened to become it in my in my own personal world not like do you like that or resent that or I mean I like it fun. my ego likes it does my soul like it I don't know yet you're an Aquarius aren't you yeah I remember that so we're, we're always testing ourselves or doubting ourselves I think mm-hmm. but because you care a lot about the greater the greater good of it of like I'm doing did. this for not for me I'm doing this for to show everyone that fuck you don't need to be a prodigy at something you don't need to be a you don't need to be like baby Mozart or you don't need to have like daddy no like someone in the music industry like I didn't know I didn't have any of that I just fought my way through it and you know if I could show people that it I, they could do that too. That's why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it for self-interest. You know? I think I'm doing it to just show people that they could do it too. Well, I got no lawn to mow. See no dish to clean. No preparation For no mouth for me The summer I was 22 was a really fun summer. I was living in Missoula, working at a flower shop, and getting ready to finish up my last semester of college that fall. Aside from being in my brother's wedding and traveling to China with my family, I spent most of my free time on the river and seeing live music. One night, while getting my groove on at a funk concert, I started to notice some intense eye contact coming from the lead singer. He was a tall, gregarious guy with a huge fro and a warm smile, and he seemed to spend the whole show in motion, alternating between interacting with the crowd and playing the piano. His name was Andy Frasco. His band, Andy Frasco and the UN, was just starting to book larger gigs. They toured constantly, and as we walked by the river later that night, Andy told me about life on the road. I told him about being a 22-year-old college student. I wasn't really sure what to make of the whole situation, so when he asked me to spend a few days with him at the next tour stop, I said no and thought we'd probably never see each other again. But that's not how the world works. Six months later, I saw him again, right before I graduated and left Missoula. We stayed in contact this time for about a month or two, as he played sold-out shows across the country and I settled into my new home in Portland. Until it became clear that this wasn't gonna work, it wasn't going anywhere, and life moved on. About 
Fast forward to three years later. I'm in San Diego, he's in San Diego, and we decide to get together and catch up. Now I'm 25, the same age as he was when we met, and he's 28. He's still playing something like 250 shows a year, but he's settled into success a little bit more. Bought a house, gotten a little more serious. On the flip side, now I totally understand what it's like to travel around all the time. I'm still in the beginning of this journey of following my dreams and leaving people behind. I was so insecure about my curly hair that I had my mom straighten my hair. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the funniest part about that is my afro is what got me famous, you know? Like, if I would have just stuck with it. I wore a hat. I was so insecure about it until I was like 20 years old. I'm like, I'm just going to grow it out. And then I grew it out, and all of a sudden people started showing up to my shows. <laughs> it's fucked up. Yeah. That's, hmm. That's so life. Did you though. like wear makeup? Didn't wear makeup. You didn't wear makeup. But I wore like tight pants, and I always wore sandals. Like I wanted to be the guy from something corporate. <laughs> like, were you like in an anti-flag show, like having them be like "fuck the government" or whatever? You know, I was into that stuff as well. <laughs> yes, but I wasn't like that type of scene. So I was more like sensitive dashboard confessional oh. scene. Oh, well, was the first time that you played a piano? Eighteen. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think you told me that. I was 18. Wow, and that's crazy. And now you're like a pianist. Yeah. <laughs> kind of? Kind of, yeah. Do you yeah. consider yourself a pianist? I think my piano's my prop. <laughs> but you play it. Yeah, I play it, yeah. On key and well. Yeah, I play it. I say I write my you, own songs. You can play it on... You can yeah. play it. All right, you're but all right. But I see all these other people <laughs> play, and they're fucking amazing. Did you have that fear when you went into yes, it of like, 100%. oh, I'm not that good? Oh, it's it still. How did you cope with that? I knew that I could entertain people, you know, and mm-hmm. I knew that being a musician was going to come, but I know that my gift, my born gift, was to entertain people. Okay. How did you first do that in the beginning, though? I was like DJing bar mitzvahs when I was like 13. I was just. <laughs> The clouds club. So you like kind of felt all this pressure to like be really. No, it was just being me. No? no, but I mean, you didn't feel that fear. No, that wasn't my fear. In my fear was like soloing. Mm. My fear was like keeping up and trying to be part of this jam scene where everyone is like looking at you to try to make the sickest solo or sing the sickest notes. You're like uh, every time it would go to you, you'd be like, "Oh God." Yeah, and then yeah? I'd start spaz, and then I'd go, <laughs> if it was my choice to solo, I'd go crowd surf. <laughs> well, maybe this, I think, you know, in some ways, actually, it sounds, I think that worked to your advantage, because that's what you remember about you. It's not like, it's like your persona. Yeah, that's you me. Know? I mean, that's my job. How, so what was it first, was like, when you first got famous? Or like, started getting feeling more comfortable in what you were doing or like not actually comfortable like cognitively but like I guess you could see you were the light of the time yeah I think it was um 
when it opened for Joe Walsh from the Eagles. Like, he came up, he watched my show, didn't know he watched my show, and then he came up to me at the end of the show and was like, I see you, uh, you know, overstaging me, or like, being a, being a wild man. Openers aren't supposed to do that, they're supposed to like, you know, you know, support the headliner, and I felt like that was my way to support him, was just like, hype up the crowd so they're ready for him. And he saw that, Joe saw that, he's like, you're gonna be just fine in this industry, you know, you're gonna, and from that day on, I never, I never looked Did, back. But, so, okay, but I mean, there have been moments of insecurity in, in between there, of course, well, right? fuck yeah, you know, like, I just, I had these moments of insecurity all last tour, it's like, I was playing for 10,000 people every night, and headlining in Europe and Germany, and then I came back to New, you know, to the East Coast, and three people showed up. You know, it's like that humbling experience where it's like, all right, you might think you're hot shit, but you're really not. And how are you going to grow this to make this everywhere? Does it feel like that's like all on your shoulders? Yes. And what does that feel like? It's fucking hard. I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years. I got to feed eight mouths. Like, everyone has a salary. And I have to make sure everyone gets paid that salary mm-hmm. and that's scary I gotta make like almost a quarter million dollars a year just to pay everyone before I start making profit you know and you break even every year and you're like when do you say this is enough what was your like first like realization of this reality though because I feel like that interim you kind of skipped over that interim period when was this my reality no that, that interim period it was like you wanted to be famous then you just decided to be famous and then you were or maybe not famous but successful like what you had to have interims there where you were like wanted to quit but then you had to talk yourself out of it i think i have those at five times you know five times a month what was like the earliest (laughs) in in that early how they how those moments changed from now now they change because um I could see that I'm making an impact on my fans. I could see that I'm making, you know, people are really listening to what I'm saying and following their dreams. Like, I had, I, I get, I get fan mail now, I don't know, three times a day with people saying how they saw my concert, they listened to my message, and they, it, it, it helped them. To do what they want to do. Now they're doing. Now they're following their their heart too. How would you describe the type of music that you make? I think it's uh, white boy soul, feel good music. It's like uh, if someone, it's like Halloween every day, and you get to pick who you want to be. And every day I pick to be Marvin Gaye. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm really just this white Jewish kid, you know. <laughs> but deep down in my heart, you know, I would, I, you know, I'm Marvin Gaye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, I got no law. 
How do my music inspire people? I think they see my life and they see how free I am, or they they have this idea of how free I am, and that makes them feel free. Do you feel? Do you so you feel more free? Yes. Describe 100%. describe the way that you feel more free. I feel more free because I picked this path. You know, I. I picked the road less chosen. You know, like Robert Frost, I appreciate that sounds. But it's true, I mean like, I'm not, I don't have a pretty face. I don't have a fucking beautiful voice. I have this, but I have, I have wit and I have, uh, I have drive to be that beautiful voice. So what is drive? Drive is never given up. How cliche that sounds. It's true. Drive is, even when you're at your lowest, even when it's fucking raining and nonstop just shitstorm, just <laughs> diarrhea sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Through that storm. Could've, yeah, could've lived without that description. <laughs> but through all that fucking, those falls and tumbling down the hill if you feel like you're tumbling further and further down the hill you're still on that path that's more important than taking a path that someone else told you to pick how do you know when to give up though I mean I think it, giving up sometimes people need to give up right no why Sometimes people need to give up. No. If it makes you happy, don't give up. It makes you, it makes you like want to wake up in the morning. Don't give up because money will come and go. You know, you'll always eat. You'll always get hydrated. We're not in Africa. You know, people will take care of you. You just got to be genuine with who you are and what you want to do. That's more important. If you know that, then you really will never give up. But keep fighting for it. Even if it's like, you might quit fighting for something that you thought was your dream. But then you move on to something that is your dream. But that doesn't mean you stop completely. You're just going for something else. It's like trial and error. Okay, like maybe one thing doesn't work, but you realize you don't like it enough to make it work. So you find something else that you like enough to make it work. I was just fortunate enough to find music that I liked enough to make it work. How do you know that you like enough to make it work? If you're willing to live in a van, live with eight guys in a rectangle box sleep in shitty motels you know all the gross shit all the bad stuff all the times you get ripped off from shitty club promoters to no one showing up after you drive 8 hours like that Missoula show (laughs) all that shit I showed up you showed up I showed up you showed up because we love it all it's important.
When we said our goodbyes, it didn't go much deeper than see you later, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe three years from now, maybe ten years from now. The world is small, and life is short. It can be scary and daunting to throw yourself into something everyone tells you is impractical, even impossible. But isn't it heartwarming to know that sometimes you can just be that awkward, stubborn kid with a dream and somehow fight hard enough to make it your career? I think Andy's right. The world needs this. You're my Music from this episode is, of course, by Andy Frasco and the UN. Go listen to their new album, Happy Bastards, and definitely make sure to see them live when they come through your city sometime this winter. Finally, I just wanted to send a quick shout out to everyone who has been reading the blog and following the journey on Instagram. If you like what you hear and want to keep hearing it, it really helps if you can leave us an iTunes review. Much love from San Diego. I'm headed to the desert next week. Stay tuned.